Ooh. It's good to see you, man. Great. Good to see you, intern. Great to see you. I'm glad that you could uh, spend a few minutes with me today. Um, and, and thank you for coming on as my second episode. I know this is brand new, and I just kind of you know, threw it out of... Uh... Well, it had to be part of like the the intro or the the, the, the the introduction to this whole, you know, yeah. eventually episode after episode entrepreneur yeah. thing you're doing. So It's going to be fun. I'm going to be interviewing all kinds of different real estate agents in different segments of the industry around Coeur d'Alene and, and just okay. the overall Pacific Northwest. But I figured I'd start with a couple of closer friends. I started the first episode with my mother, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of sat over the dinner table and, and had a conversation that lasted about a half hour long. And awesome. yeah, it was a little nerve wracking, but I'm like, you know what? Just just have a conversation and that's all it really takes. That's great. Um, By the way, where are you putting all these uh, podcasts out on? Are they all on the major networks or? They are, they're, they're, we're going to be starting with Spotify and Apple Podcasts for the, the initial and then Eventually, I'll kind of start to throw them to every single podcast platform out there. Great. Yeah, I'll have to listen to the one you did yeah. with Carrie. It's amazing. Dude. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a great little conversation. I've gotten a lot of good feedback. Good. But yes, um, this is the uh, second episode of the Skylight Tours Interviews with Realtors podcast. If For those that aren't watching the video, um, I'm sitting here with Philip Beggs. He's been a good friend of mine for at least a couple of years now. I don't know when we first met. Wait, when did we first meet and why? Uh, it was, I was looking for real estate for photographers or people that did that kind of stuff and I think you came through a friend of mine Levi Tyler I think it was as a person that I should reach out to and so I did great guy yep and then got scheduled we got scheduled to do my parents home I think before then I knew you as well I was gonna say that I think I knew you at least a few months before I photographed your parents' house. Yeah, so I don't know what brought us together. Neither it, do I. I'm not quite sure. It's one of those things that's like fuzzy yeah. in the background, but now we just keep making new memories. Yes, yeah. and we've been such good friends for all this time that it just like the time hasn't passed. You know, it's yeah. just it's yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of growth in both of our lives. Oh, definitely, <laughs> we're no longer the same people by yeah. any means. Um, okay, so for the sake of the uh, podcast, though. Let us know a little bit about how you got into real estate and why. Okay, sure. Um, so to kind of give a synopsis, I've been, I've held 30 individual job titles in 17 different industries. I'm almost 34. And uh, let's just say that's allowed me to learn a lot and connect with mm-hmm. a lot of different people. Yeah. And also have a relatively basic understanding of most things in business with those culminating into real estate. Uh, I was a home inspector for a while, about three years, and I did that as well as restaurant location research, which was country and nationwide. And every single time I was back here, I would do home inspections. So I've done a few hundreds of few hundred home inspections around this area. Um, but I kind of saw that. And then a lot of my friends were jumping on the realtor wagon. And I was like, ah, I won't jump on the realtor wagon. I'm going to be a home inspector. It's fine. And then I realized, oh, there's really good money in real estate. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know what? Okay, I've had the eyes of an inspector now. Now why don't I learn the selling and buying side of real estate as a realtor? So I went ahead and during that time I was going through some other things. I moved down to Arizona, got my real estate license, started figuring that out. And after about six months or so, I actually moved back up here to Idaho and got my license up here. Um, the cool thing was how I was able to get my license up here. So because it was within six months of me getting my license in Arizona, I came up here and just took a 40-question test, passed it, and I had my license. <laughs> no kidding. So I didn't have to go through all the education again, which was great. And it was nice to be able to pass that firsthand, yeah. just get it done. Um, 
And uh, for those of for realtors that have gotten into the industry and thought that it was going to be easy money, it's definitely not easy money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it can be a lot of money. It's nice to have you know yeah. five digit checks come in in the mail. It's great, but uh, it's some it's an industry, so you have to be on it. You have to be on top of marketing yourself and letting people know you're there, and then that constant touching of that clientele to make sure that they remember you're there. What kind of successes have you experienced in the industry? Have you? To be honest, I haven't sold nearly as many homes as a lot of other people I know have, but I've taken different approaches. So instead of looking at real estate as, oh, this is going to be the industry that I'm going to live and die in kind of a thing, it was, I'm going to learn about real estate because I want to have it be my career in real estate in general, and I want to build wealth through it. Okay. So now that I have the eyes of an inspector, now I have the basically the uh, experience of a realtor and all the licensing and the education that goes with it. Now I'm actually in the realm of not only building real estate, um, and I can go more into that in just a little bit, but also investing in real estate, learning how to raise capital, learning how to talk to people and sell a project and say, we need yeah. funding for this and actually bring in funding and help close on those. So I'm I'm under contract right now for actually a company and uh, we'll see if that goes through i am trying to raise capital for it currently okay. but uh let's just say there's i went into real estate realizing 90 percent of millionaires come through real estate why wouldn't yeah. i put the cards in my favor and go into the same industry yeah but being a realtor is you don't have a lot of control of your time no there's and so that's not what it was. Don't. You know, I, I would imagine I've spoken with quite a few different realtors in my time mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. You do and you don't. I guess it depends more on your ambition levels. You know, how much do you really have a vision for what you're trying to chase and, and why are you chasing it? It does. And I know there's several people around, uh, good friends of mine, that are doing exceptional work in real estate. Um, whether it's, you know, the highest perf- single agent performer in the state of Idaho who yeah. just passed by us recently. Josh, yeah. and uh, how he's done an incredible job with all that. And he's an amazing person to learn from. He's done a good job at reclaiming his time in that. But nobody's working for him. He doesn't have anybody below him. Well, exactly. So in other words, I realized that as a realtor, unless I decided to create my own brokerage and own stuff, I would always be having to close a sale in order to win in the game. Yeah. And I know that a lot of realtors go into it, investing in real estate and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I decided there's got to be a way that I can leverage myself, leverage the knowledge I have so that I don't have to work for all that money coming in. Yeah. And so you build kind of more of a machine. Right? Exactly. Sure. Learning how to build a machine. And right now I'm in that phase of learning how to not be the person that's grinding, but the person that's placing the people who are grinding. Mm. Interesting. And so it, you're becoming a connector. Of some sort. Uh, yes, more of like, you know, your connector, your executive, your person that is is placing the people that have dreams because I have the vision. So there's a oh. quote out there that says, it takes leaders with a vision to help people with dreams. And the more I am building this company currently that I'll tell you more about here shortly, the more I'm seeing that. So, so here, let's uh, define the difference between a dream and a vision. Um, a dream is a hope and a desire. A vision is something that is now vividly put in front or something that you can see into the future, say, this is how I want things to work. This is how I want things to happen. And it's not just like, I hope someday this happens or I would love for this to happen. It says, 
this is what I want. Here's all the details. And here's how I'm going to make it happen. It's more rooted in reality. Yes. That's visionary. Okay. Visionary is a, well, visionary is like being able to see it. It does take your operations to make it happen. Yeah. But without a visionary, your operations don't know what they're doing. And you think one needs the other? Absolutely. And you think, and, and do you think a visionary can also be the dreamer? Oh, a visionary is to some extent are dreamers. That's how they start. Okay. Um, I would say that dreamers, if they have enough self-development, become visionaries. Yeah. But a dreamer isn't automatically there. I would say most people. Most people are dreamers to some extent. Yeah, I was going to actually... But they become that. visionary when they're bold enough to put it out there and actually try to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Most people won't make that, that change in effort because you're stepping into the light. Yeah. And it's awkward and you're like, well, what if I fail? And so people are more comfortable being closet dreamers than stepping into the light as a visionary. Yeah. Having solutions for problems that you know exist, but you're not willing to take the steps to actually implement those solutions. Yeah. And uh, visionary people realize that it's not enough to dream. I've got to go make this happen. Yeah. And they start to actually make things clear, crystal clear, and start to connect with the right people to make it happen. So how much uh, would you say that you allocate in your daily timescape towards the selling and buying process of real estate versus the other side? To which I'll have you go mm -hmm. more in detail on because I'm still quite unclear totally. on what that is. No worries. On a daily basis, I am not doing real estate realtor work. Okay. Uh, aside from prospecting, but the prospecting on that side is not the side of buying or selling a home. It is of renovating or building one. And I'm also prospecting in the area of uh, people that want to invest in real estate. So I still hold my license, but I've kind of turned the corner and I'm no longer doing the your realtor stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I am now a basically a quarter share owner in a building company. And we do high-end renovations and ground-up projects. Okay. And so I'm taking on the sales side of that. And I'm pushing that ahead as a partner and really diving in and building out our sales pl platform and process. And so most of my sales and prospecting is really geared towards that because that has a lot more. I'm building a machine mm -hmm. instead of me going out there and selling, you know, 12, 15, 20 or yeah. more homes. I'm going to go and build those yeah. homes. And, and your client work. is very different than the average agent then. Who is your client then if, if you're kind of partnering with this company? Is the client the uh, the investor? Um, so partnering with a company, meaning like I'm actually an owner. Okay. So it's, and yes, the clients are definitely different. So uh, the clients would be somebody who is either moving into the area or has finally sold a home or wants to sell a home and wants to actually build their own okay. on their piece of land. Or with the rates going up today, yeah. with the rates where they're at, most people can't sell their home and get something uh, similar. Most people can't necessarily sell their home and get their dream home because the rates are so high. So it might be more suitable for them to look at the money they have and say, well, we can renovate this home for a lot less and make it into more of the home that we want instead of selling it, moving somewhere else, and then realizing that we can't afford the other stuff we really want. So that's kind of the clientele we're looking for is those that really want to improve their home, especially yeah. with the current, how expensive money is, and those really looking to build their dream home. Okay. And so our average clients spend slightly wealthier class of clientele. 
I would say so. Our average client spends on the low end. We usually have, like for the low end on a kitchen is 75K. High end on a kitchen is 160, maybe more. Mm. And then when it comes to a renovation, our low end is probably around the the 280 to 300. And our high end, like right now, we've got about a 1.4 million uh, over in Liberty Lake where it's a full inside and out, but it's a, a 6,600 square foot home. So wow. that's expensive. That is large. Yeah. That is spacious. Yeah. On so, two levels, so it's pretty. It's pretty big. So let's kind of. I'm gonna ask a couple personal questions, more of along the lines of: are, are you fulfilled doing what you're doing? So, there's two elements to that. I'll answer them in, in different okay. in order. So, um, one is in the short answer, yes, but it's not because of what I'm doing. It's because of who I am, doing what I'm doing. So I, I like think. That answer. Yes. Yeah. So. Actually, I recently spoke about this in our uh, in the Man on a Mission group that I'm in, and yeah. this was back on August 17th was my speech. I have another one coming up here. But I spoke about how when it comes to mission, when it comes to who we are as a person, when it comes to fulfillment in the future, it has to come from who we decide to be, not with what we're doing. Because what we're doing is fleeting. So would you say that would go along the lines of having the business serve your personal ambitions instead of your personal ambitions serving your business? Yeah, you build the business to serve the life that you live, not not the other way. In other words, I'm building something because of the life I want to live. I'm not living my life to build something. I got that. I got that idea from Sarah Barb. I want to make sure I get it. Yeah, no, totally. So essentially it's this. You've heard the term how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So most people, unfortunately, look at who they are or they decide to, uh, what do you call it, um, describe themselves or link their identity to something that they do. If I did that, I've had many different identities over the years. If I decide that's a, that's a problem with your ego. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're like, you know, for example, I could define myself as a photographer, but if that were just the case, I wouldn't be doing this. No, a photographer is a skill set that I have, so I can use it to sell services. And you wouldn't have a podcast thinking about deep thinking. Yeah. So, so the point is, is that we actually aren't what we do. We are how we do what we do. In other words, it's the driving force behind so, what we do that really defines us. The driving force, in my opinion, and this is kidding off the topic of this, right? But <laughs> it's our deep thinking coming yeah, in. I say, <laughs> I knew that we I knew it would end up this way, but you are what you think. The driving force to me is your thoughts. So your thoughts can conjure the vision. They can conjure the dream. Um, but that is your thoughts. That's the way. Well, even, even then, how much, how, many of your, how much of your thoughts are really you and they're not just given to you by what's around you? Well, that's whether or not you know how to actually have a conversation with that internal dialogue. That's true. And so what I realized is that if I wanted to be fulfilled in something, I had to bring a higher level of mission and purpose to it Regardless of what it was, mm-hmm. I had to decide Philip is going to be this kind of person yeah. and he's going to be this person no matter what he's doing. And I'm still working on that because it's not as easy as a lot of people think. Yeah. You've got to really confront yourself in the mirror and say, wow, is there something I did today that I regretted? Yeah. You know, what can I do that I feel proud of? So as I'm looking at this company and what I'm building with my business partners and realizing that I have to bring a new level of myself and a completely different version of myself in order to go to this next phase in life. And that's where a lot of the fulfillment comes in. It's not just what I'm doing. It's how I'm doing what I'm doing. How much effort do you place trying to be who you are? Ah. 
more mental than physical. And that is a balance I need to correct. More mental than physical. Yeah. So you don't, is that physical exercise that you're... What I mean is, is that it is very easy. In fact, it's free. It's free to dialogue and think about how to change and what to do. But the rubber meets the road in action. Yeah. Not in talking about it. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters in the thing is doing the thing. Yeah. Not talking about it, not philosophizing about it, it's doing it. And so as I'm shortening the distance between thinking about it and actually doing it, that's where I'm actually seeing the comfort and the gain, well, the, the discomfort, but the gain happen. Mm -hmm. And like prospecting. And it's not glamorous. I prospect, I'll talk to different people, but sometimes I'll cold call. Well, you do cold call. And during cold calling, you know, I would have assumed that more day. I would have assumed that you're so busy that that doesn't really actually enter your agenda. But see, actually, that's that's interesting. So I used to be until I said, "Oh, I we need to hire the people that are doing all these things." Delegation. So we hired people that were much better at those things. Literally, that's what they do. Yeah. In those areas, and now all of a sudden, it's really weird. Uh, I'm kind of feeling like, "Gosh, what am I doing? Well, what's my value?" Yeah. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, oh, "Wait a minute!" But I helped bring some of these people in or I've helped to facilitize, you know, facilitate some of this. And I'm like, okay, there is value in that, but now I need to switch gears and bring value somewhere else. Yeah. And then until I find that, build it and bring somebody else in to replace me. Uh, we had Dan Martell come and speak to us at uh, Man on a Mission. And he's a uh, tech entrepreneur out of Canada. Okay. He's built five sorry. different companies, has three exits multi-millionaire wonderful guy from basically uh, an awful a messed up life to amazing life right now in his book he calls he says uh it's about buying back your time and he talks about he's like if you want to be rich um let's see yeah, I mean, if you want to be rich be lazy if you want to be wealthy be incompetent the point is is that you need to be able to find other people that do things for you. Mm. Oh, teaching you to build a team. Right, teaching you to build a team. So in other words, uh, if I don't have time to mow my lawn, I'll pay somebody to do it. Yeah. I don't have a lawn currently, but yeah. I mean, like, if I had a lawn, I would pay somebody. I would say that would branch into the delegation of AI as well. Yeah. and uh, Which is a whole different subject. Yeah, but. and actually we use AI in our company. Yeah. We use it for our financial realm of things and to to divvy up uh quotes on property and what we how we can build things and stuff like that mm. so um if you were to give advice to somebody entering the real estate industry not just to become an agent not just to sell and and, and do that okay um, but just the overall industry you have a different mental grasp on on what that is how would you advise them to get into it how would you advise them to start learning uh would you advise certain people to maybe be in their sphere and how would you advise them to get them into the totally. uh, First, I would tell them to put an entire game plan together. It doesn't have to be perfect, but to literally look 10 years out and say, okay, what's going on in the market? Realtors aren't going anywhere super quickly, but there are some, some interesting uh, legal stuff that's starting to hit. There is a, um, what do you call it? There's a, a lawsuit going on right now about uh, buyer's agents about not being compensated from a seller's standpoint. It's really weird, but there's, there's, it's going out there, it's gaining traction. However, is that going to get, are buyer's agents going to go away? No, well, they're not. But 
the point is look into the industry look what's actually happening look what's going to happen in the future possibly a lot of people thought increasingly difficult to do yeah a lot of people thought i buyers the internet big dog real estate buyers were going to take out everybody that's not really happening because most people don't really have the greatest of circumstances and um, and things that happen with iBuyers. But the point is, I would say, study it. First of all, look at the industry, talk to the realtors around you, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Get a game plan because do you want to be a realtor forever or do you want to leverage real estate into becoming wealthy? There's a lot of people that get into real estate as a realtor that think it's just gonna be easy money and yeah. have big checks rolling in, this is gonna be great. And leverage yourself. I know some people that did a great job the last few years in real estate bringing in, you know, easily over half a million, if not more, in just straight commissions. It was great. They were living great, but they were worked like a like yeah. a hog. And they didn't have time for each other as a couple or and they had time for themselves. Yeah. They were just working their butts off. They didn't leverage themselves. And I think it's important if you're gonna be a realtor, have a game plan. Have an exit plan. Because yeah. you don't want to be working in that capacity your entire life. Maybe you want to be, trade over into the investment side of things to where you maybe have a license, but maybe you have other realtors working for you. Maybe now you're getting that cash flow from property and the appreciation, you're building wealth. So say, you know, say I'm 20 years old, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm looking to, I'm looking to basically do what you're doing, but I'm not quite even sure what that is. What would you say my first step would be? And not, this is again, not, you're not the traditional agent, so. No. This isn't for somebody to go into the tradi traditional landscape of being a realtor, but your landscape, the overall leveraging landscape. Yeah. What will you think the first thing they should do is? Uh, get clear on where you want to go, not how to get there. Get clear on where you want to go. Okay. So if you were to take your GPS out and say, I want to go to Walmart from here, it would give you a path to go to Walmart. Yeah. If you came across a detour, your destination hasn't changed, but you have to pivot to get yeah. to your destination. Okay. The point is, is that most people never look about where they want to go. They only look about how they think they should or have to get there. Instead of just being like, well, that's where I'm going regardless of how many turns I have to take. Yeah. That's where I'm going. So that's going to be the first thing I would say is get clear on where you want to go and what kind of life you want to live. And I've been, I've been on hikes with uh, friends of mine and I've given advice similar to that mm -hmm. where, you know, you can see a mountain peak or something in the distance. And uh, you know, I, I asked them, you know, what's the meaning of life? What is the meaning of your life? Like, what is your purpose? What do you do? Mm. And they really couldn't answer the question. They just, you know, they gave me you know, a whole bunch of daily tasks that they do and, and how they live their life. They didn't tell me oh, gotcha. anything that was really dense. And so I, the answer that I eventually started to give was, okay, you see that mountain peak? Imagine mm -hmm. that that's your goal. That's your destination. That's where you want to get. Well, we see there's many ways to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just one. So it's very similar to the same piece of advice that you gave. Similar. Mine's catered more towards business in that way. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's deep life. Yeah, I would say that was, that's going more down the the rabbit hole of philosophy and spiritual, which I can definitely dive down because I have a lot of yeah. beliefs in that, yeah. that area. We'll probably have another episode on that. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I would say you have to get clear on where you're going first. Yeah. Clear on where and why. Because where doesn't matter if you don't have a strong enough why. Yeah. And so for me, I've got good coaching and good advice to nail that part of it first. Which is why I'm still in real estate, but I'm pivoting into these different areas. So would the first step then for that person to be figuring that out on their own accord or finding somebody that can help them? Uh, it's always a shortcut to find somebody else. So what I would say is do some research on the industry, whatever it, it, 
do, find out where you want to go. Find out what most of those people do. To be honest, it's diverse, but there is a lot of real estate in there. I've worked at the Jet Center. I've worked at a lot of places. Most wealthy people have real estate in their portfolio. Not that they always started that way, but that yeah. they do because it's the, one of the best ways to keep wealth. Find out what wealth does. What are the people with wealth? How do they think? What do they do? Get clear on where you want to go and then figure out, great, now let's get around the people that do that. Yeah. And so okay. one, I would say, be clear on where you want to go. Great. Now find the opportunity to get around the people that do that. Whether it's following them on Instagram, reaching out. There are a ton of people in this town. People don't even realize the amount of people that are in this town that are very wealthy. Yeah. And that are more than happy to lend some words to you, advice, time, whatever it is. Yeah. I've come across some incredible people that I can call friends of mine that are much further along. Could you name one person now in this podcast? Um, obviously, that would be okay with you naming them. You're basing that on your own judgment here. But sure, that's somebody that you would maybe refer people to go to. Uh, if it's going to be... If it's going to be that's a, a realtor, realtors. if it's going to be a realtor that I really respect and is just such a down-to-earth, good human, I would say Josh Adams. Josh Adams. Uh, and it's not because I don't know other great realtors. I do. Yeah. But he's been in the game since about 07, I think it was, mm -hmm. right before like the big hit and stuff. Uh, but he is consistently the single highest producing agent in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And he is such a down-to-earth, wonderful person. He's given me so much free advice. And uh, he's a landlord as well, but just such a good guy. Yeah. So I wouldn't say- I've heard a lot about him. If you want to be in a realtor, if you want to do real estate and do it really well, um, I would say he's great. He's, he's an easy approach to it, um, but it works. And yeah. he's done such a good job. If it was business and entrepreneurship and eventually impacting others, I would say Eric Rock. Eric Rock. Oh, yeah. 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 I would say, and he's the the head of Man on a Mission, right? He's the uh, yes, he and Matt Lachlan. I would say, when it comes to deep thinking, philosophy, coaching others, Matt Lachlan. I don't know of a single other person in this yeah. town that would do it better than he does. Yeah. And so, let's talk a little bit about uh, that mastermind group. Sure, Man on a Mission. I'd love to have a quick description of it. Yeah, so. you bet. Gosh, that was really interesting. So, um, this kind of starts way back a bit. Uh, but I used to work at the Jet Center. It was because I was coming to a place where I didn't have much income coming in. Sales weren't happening. Houses weren't selling and stuff like that. So I just decided, well, I want to get a job that gets me enough money to cover my expenses, but I have to enjoy it. So I was like, well, great. I'll do the Jet Center out in, out in Hayden, uh, Stancraft Jet Center. Yeah. Because I love aviation, but I wanted to be around high net worth people. So I went, got hired there. Started working there and got to see and follow Eric Rock on Instagram because I would see him fly out here and there and I knew the jet he would fly on and the people he was around and stuff like that and I was like oh this is really great reached out to him on Instagram let him know who I was and he said well maybe we'll get the chance to meet well there was a finally a time and this is way after the jet center about a year uh, months six months eight months maybe a year after I stopped working there okay. and I'm doing building I mean the company I'm currently a part of and I see him walk in here into the coffee shop and I'm like, oh, there it is. It's time. And I just put my stuff down and immediately go approach. And that's another thing. Yeah. If you're going to meet people, don't wait for the perfect opportunity. You make the opportunity. Yeah. He was busy. He was going. But I'm like, I know how to approach people. I've done this before with Tony Robbins and yeah. uh, many other celebrities that I have been able to meet 
and talk with personally because I've taken the chance to go and approach them very respectfully. And Eric being one of the easiest guys to approach, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a good friend of mine. I'm yeah, just top. I know, he's amazing. So I just got to say, you know, Mr. Rock, and uh, we got to, and then I was able to actually pinpoint from our discussions on Instagram who I was. And then he was able to be like, yes, I, yes, I remember that. So I was able to actually anchor a point of reference. I wasn't just this stranger. Yeah. And I was able to reference that. So I said, hey, I just wanted to make sure I said hi and got to meet you. And he said, you know what? I'm busy right now. Well, he didn't tell me he was busy. I knew he was. He's like, you know what? I do have to go, but this has been a great little yeah. discussion, 10-minute talk. Reach back out to me. I've got something to talk to you about. I said, sure. Yeah, because yeah, I'm going to say he's just that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but this is a, a great little piece to uh, you know give advice on how to branch outside of your comfort zone and yes. ask with others. Biggest thing is remembering their people. Yeah. They want respect. They don't want a fanboy. And so whether it's been Tony Robbins, uh, David Henry, yeah. uh, Jim Henry, Eric Rock, yeah, and many other people. Something that I've kind of lived by when I go to talk to people that I believe are at a higher level. Um, I, I go, okay, if I were to go say hi to them, am I actually giving them something of value or am I just asking something for value? Am I right. wasting their time for what I can get or am I actually able to bring something to the table, whether or not it's today or whether or not it's a few weeks from now if yeah. I'm able to actually work with them. But I don't want to waste their time and I don't want to just let that would be the fanboy. Yeah. It's somebody that just well, wants the attention just because they want exactly. attention and not. And here's something like I've met Andy Forsella and some other people, Stephen Petaskey and other people that are, in the realms that I'm learning more about. Point is, is that what if you don't have anything of value to bring to them? Mm -hmm. How do you approach them then? So I've approached people that way saying, I know I don't really have anything of value, but I recognize these people. I know wait until there's a moment where I know they're not busy or they're not engaged in a conversation. And I'm gonna call them by their first name or their last and say, welcome to town or whatever it is. I just wanna say, I appreciate your content, yeah. enjoy your stay. And I always turn to go, and they are the ones that'll see. I would argue that that validation is is value in itself. It is because you're not wasting time. That's for such a dense amount of time that it's not fanboying. You know, oh my gosh, can I get your autograph? Kind of a thing. But it's more of like, hey, I wanted to validate you. I see you online. I appreciate what you're doing. You've impacted me. Thank you. And then you yeah. move on. There's no agenda other than thanking them. Because there's nothing that they're going to give you other than a few seconds of time. Yep. I'm never after a picture, yeah. never after an autograph, yeah. but it's enabled me to catch up with a lot of people and be introduced. They'll say, wait, wait, wait a second. Who are you? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I get to talk to them. They get to talk to yeah. me. I meet who's around them. I've done that with Tony Robbins and he invited me to one but of the I would also say that right. a lot of the reasons why you're able to do that is because of who you are and how you hold yourself. And then when you walk into a room and you have that, that aura of confidence because you're not you're nervous, you're not, you don't have these false images in your head of how you're supposed to be. And so you just walk up and you just say hi and you just realize, like, I don't care that you've done a lot of success with this and that. I'm just going to take a few seconds, thank them, and then move on. Right. Right. That's just, again, being a good person, being a decent human. If your agenda is to later get texted by that human, then are you really being, you know, genuine with no agenda? Are you really somebody that is, maybe you're planting the seed to try to get value from them, but once again, you're not thinking about the value that you may offer them later in time. Well, I will say that I am strategic in it. In other words, I won't constantly touch base with people for the purpose of, of, of no purpose at all. Yeah. So I'll look for opportunities. Interesting. I will look for opportunities to either serve somebody, to validate somebody, or to make an effort to go and just recognize them for whatever. So, and I've seen that come back. I started to see it come back and it's really, really neat to start to see it come back. Brandon Turner was in town and I've met him twice, but I've 
nothing's come back on that avenue yet, but I know it will someday as long as I keep being around the right person. Does that create, keep connecting with him? Does that create an expectation for yourself, though, that you're now expecting them to come back to or that to come no, back to? I know that it will someday. Yep. In other words, what I mean by that is take any any good human being that desires to do something for others or has just a good heart. Yeah. If they are validated and connected with other people, if you have a start to have a familiar face somewhere in the groups or the networks that you're around and they constantly come to you and just will say, hey, it's good to see you. How was this? How was that? Awesome. And they will start to remember things about you. You will start to remember their name. And all of a sudden, next time you see them, you won't even have to be like, wait for them to come to you. You might just be like, hey, good to see yeah. you again. And that's already happened to me many, many times. And it's not about saying, oh, I'm going to wait for them to do this now. No. It's just being me. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying yeah. to come back to. So it's it's taking the opportunity to serve somebody. Oh, I know somebody lives on this street. Yeah. And I know that they have to haul their trash can all the way up this hill to go and park it there. And I'm around. Their trash can's out there and it's empty. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take it over to their house. I'm going to drop it off and then I'm going to text them and say, hey, in case you don't see your trash can up there, don't worry about it. I took care of it. Yeah. Have a great day. We see, yeah. And little things, or seeing them and just realizing they're busy, and just acknowledging them, not worrying yeah. about it. And all that's it. Long the day. validation to me is one yeah. of the biggest things you can do for somebody is to say that I see you. You exist to me. Yeah. You're not just this bystander. You're not just passing through. You're like, no, you're another human. I place just as much value on onto you as I would somebody else. So right. I, I, you know. But to me, that's being just being a good human. There's no, there's no, uh, there's yeah. no other side of the expectation. I would say we understand that. Yeah, but there are some people that don't. Yeah, you know, there's some people that like I've introduced. I've introduced some people to my to some of the networks that I have, and they are fanboyish. And I'm like, mm -hmm. ooh, shoot, I'm sorry, I did that. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. And uh, and they don't connect. That person doesn't so really connect. When I when I when I see somebody that maybe is in that state of being, or or use the term fanboy. Yeah. To me, that is simply a lack of confidence within your own ability to be somebody similar to the person you're fanboying over. Mm -hmm. You're looking at them as something that is slightly unattainable to your ability to achieve. Yeah. And so I validate. Again, mm -hmm. I instead of continuing to be something that they fanboy, I get down to their level and I validate their existence to the point where maybe that I spark some ignition for that confidence. Mm -hmm. But that's just a... And I think you do too. I think you're with me on that one. Well, I love this kind of conversation as well because one is connecting with others or communicating and connecting with others is something that's very passionate to me. Yeah. Uh, I love the whole dynamics of it and understanding people and how to actually navigate situations and circumstances and people, getting to know other people. I also love public speaking because yeah. that's part of it. I, I, and so I'm learning to love public speaking. I've been <laughs> heavily introverted most of my life and so I've watched a lot of public speakers, but... I'm starting to realize that I'm actually I enjoy the conversation a lot. I mm -hmm. I just don't want to feel like I'm on camera, and so that, isn't that interesting? Wait, there's a camera here. Yeah. See, it, part of my job is to make you forget. No, and so yeah. well, the point is, is that it's it is about the connection. Mm -hmm. So whether you're speaking, you're talking with anybody else, it's never it's never about what's going on around, and it's never about you. Yeah. It's about them. Sad. So, yes. Like in this, you've asked me a lot of questions, and it's kind of been about me. Um, but whenever you want to connect with other people yeah it's never about let me tell you what i've been up to of it's course, about of course i learned that lesson yeah. in the go-giver actually yeah if you've, if you've read that it's it's got um i don't remember i think it was the second book that stated this but it was if you really want to sell who you are don't sell who you are just be you have a conversation and yeah. they ask questions and that's your opportunity to maybe tell a little bit about your story but 
don't look for opportunities to tell your story. Simply just let them come. If they come, if they don't, they don't. Mm -hmm. It's totally okay. What you're doing when you're having a conversation with somebody is giving yourself the opportunity to get to know somebody else. Yeah. It's simple as that. Giving them the opportunity to talk about themselves. To, to When people talk about themselves, they hear their story outside of their mind. It's like why you should write. It's because you put those thoughts on the paper and reflect on those. And you're letting somebody else kind of reflect off those same ideas that you have in your head. And there's nothing stronger that drives curiosity than mystery. Oh, I like that. And so when it comes down to it... Is that quoted from somewhere else? Or no, it's, that's my station. I like that. <laughs> There's nothing stronger um, that creates curiosity to mystery. And when it comes down to connecting with people, you have to, instead of drawing a relevant connection from their world to yours, like, oh, Turner's in photography. I have friends that do photography. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Instead of that, I'm going to follow my curiosity into your world. I love that. And say, yeah. I don't know that much about photography. I've heard it's a lot about lighting. Is it about lighting? Great. What what are some of the like what are some of the things that you use for your lenses and your camera? How did all that culminate yeah. together? And as you start to just start with stuff that you know and, and then branch off yeah, and recognition. my curiosity into your world and saying, yeah. Tell me, how does this yeah. work? And all it's not about me, it's about you. It's it's interesting because we have the same conclusion. Like we've come to the same point, but the the explanations like in my head of how I've come to that conclusion are very different. I know, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um one last thing, though, because I do want to make sure that you sure. set someone on track for real estate. Right, I know. Um, yeah. Last piece of advice that you'd give anybody in the industry. It doesn't matter if it's a client. It doesn't matter if it's somebody that is doing what you do or maybe more of the traditional style. It could be philosophical because I know it's what kind of guy that you are. Hmm. Um, but last piece of advice before we decide to end this. Okay, real quick. Can you signify the advice? Because the advice is given in the light and through the lens of the question. Okay. So, so unless I truly understand exactly what I can go for. So if you were to give advice to somebody, okay, let's, let's narrow down the scope. Somebody that's already within existence of the industry, struggling to stay motivated. They, don't, they haven't seen success as much as they'd like to, and they're starting to lose that ambition. How would you reignite that ambition for them? Um, immediately, I would look at... Success is a culmination of action, proper action, consistently. If you're not seeing success in a certain realm or in real estate, there are two things that are, have to be true. One, you're not consistent in your effort. Or two, it's the wrong effort. Cool. Really, that's the only two things in business. Either you're not consistent in your effort or you're doing the wrong thing. Well, because if you did the right thing consistently, it would work. Yeah. 100% of the time. Now, I, what I mean by 100% of the time is eventually. I don't mean that every single time you do it. It's a numbers game. Business is a number game. Oh, I talked to this person the same. I talked to this person. I sold it over here. didn't sell it over there. I get it. Mm -hmm. What I mean is for people that want success, if they're consistent in the right actions, they will always eventually win. Mm -hmm. That overall objective that they're yeah. trying to get to, not this. Yeah. Because I, I agree with you, and you touched on that earlier, is that when you have the objective that's constantly changing with each and every time that you try to think something up, right. it's not consistent, and you lose you lose the consistency between the, the where you're going and the why you're going. Yeah, so if anybody is in that realm and having a difficult time, I would say, first of all, what is your actual plan? 
where do you want to be in five or 10 years? Great. Let's make that crystal clear. Secondly, who are you following? I'm just figuring this out. Not good enough. Find somebody that's already there or several steps ahead of you that you can actually follow there that you can learn from. I like that. So one is get clear. One is two is get a mentor and a coach. They're a little different. Uh, Get a mentor. Coach can be helpful. A mentor can fill that, fill a bigger void than a coach can. Okay, so what's a mentor versus a coach? A mentor is someone who has the life you want and is doing. A coach is somebody that doesn't. Yeah, so not necessarily. A mentor is somebody who has the life and is doing what you are desiring to do. In other words, they are very aligned with where you want to be. I want to be able to have that kind of life, and I'm also in the industry you're in. You're teaching me everything you've done. A coach is a lot more philosophical okay. than necessarily the action-based. Mm-hmm. It leads into action. It always does. But a coach doesn't have to be in your industry. A coach is there to work on the mental processes that are holding you back. Okay. And they're saying, ah, you've always been in here. It's almost like a psychologist to some extent, but say, it's, it's very start. action, but they're action-oriented yeah. towards taking out of your head and You're getting it. Touching a lot on who Matt Lachlan is. Yes, precisely. Mm-hmm. And he does have a philosophical background. Um, he's a, a clinical psychologist, but he does very well. He, he coaches mil- multimillionaires and billionaires worldwide. So, and, but he's not in that realm. But because if he understands how to work through things, how to take it from here yeah. and get into action, that's what he's really good at. Interesting. Whereas um, Eric is more of a mentor. He's doing a lot of stuff in real estate that I would love to do. Yeah. So is uh, Steve. That's a great. Team. That's a great. You know, side by side comparison. Yeah. Matt Lachlan and Eric Roth. Yeah. Well, but, and Matt used to teach or coach Eric. Yeah. Oh. And oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I didn't know that. I didn't know that Eric was coach for a while. That's cool enough. And so I would say that both are necessary, uh, but if you have to pick one or the other for immediate, get a mentor. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because they will help you immediately move forward in like saying, oh, well, this is what I did. Great. And you just do that. Yeah. So, um, All right. Well, yeah. Philip, I appreciate you uh, spending a few minutes with me. Sure. We might have to do a part two to this because there's a lot more that I can obviously sense that we want to talk about. Uh, there, there is. And we'll just keep going on and on. along. I have that tendency myself, but I, I think you have a lot of that same tendency. Yeah. And so I think I'll have to have you on philosophy when we get going. Please do. Yeah. Please yeah. do. Like, I'd love to be on All right. All right. All right. I appreciate Thanks, it. Sure. Yeah. Appreciate it. Man. This has been the second episode of the Skylight Tours Interviews with Realtors podcast featuring Philip Bakes. I know, man. You're here on like for the beginning here. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you guys uh, want to get in contact with Philip, um, please message me first, and then I'll go ahead and refer that contact over if you have any mm-hmm. uh, further questions or whatnot for him. But I appreciate the time, man. Awesome. Thanks, you. Thanks, sir. Thank you.